Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Welcome to the Nightmare Magazine Story Podcast. I'm your guest host, Jim Freund, filling in for Jack and Cade, whose computer is out sick this week. Nightmare Magazine is edited by John Joseph Adams and Wendy Wagner. As a listener to this podcast, you know that we publish the magazine and most of the content for free online. If you don't already support our journal, please consider checking out our many options, including ebook subscriptions and recurring patronage via Patreon and Drip at nightmare-magazine.com support. Nightmare's sponsor is Meerkat Press. There's an excerpt of the novel Smoke City by Keith Rossen in the April ebook edition of Nightmare. The stories for this podcast are produced by Skyboat Media, helmed by Stefan Rudnicki and Gabrielle DeCure in association with Yours Truly. Our second offering for April is Don't Pack Hope by Emma Osborne, read for you by Stefan Rudnicki. The story is copyright 2018. Emma Osborne is a queer fiction writer and poet whose writing has appeared in Shock Totem, Apex Magazine, Queers Destroy Science Fiction, Pseudopod, the Review of Australian Fiction, and The Year's Best Australian Fantasy and Horror. A proud member of Team Arsenic, Emma is a graduate of the 2016 Clarion West Writers' Workshop. Emma is a former first reader at Clark's World magazine, where zombies are absolutely, definitely taboo. Emma currently lives in Melbourne, Australia, drinking all of the coffee and eating all of the food, but has a giant crush on Seattle and turns up under the shadow of the mountain at every opportunity. You can find Emma on Twitter at RedScribe. And thus ends this week's intro. So without further ado, let's have a nightmare. Don't Pack Hope by Emma Osborne the horde is attracted to bright colors. So when you put together your bug-out bag, you pack the drab outfits you'd sworn never to wear again once you'd finally, breathlessly emerged as your true, radiant self. You pack a heavy hunting knife, because what you carry looks valuable. You're glad that your arms are gym-strong and intimidating, because the idea of hurting someone, even in self-defense, makes you want to vomit. You leave behind your old name, you try not to wonder if you're the only one left who remembers it. You don't know how you'd feel if that were true. You take two photos of yourself, one of a gap-toothed girl on her first day of school, her shoes pink like the inside of a scalp, 
and a photo of a strong young man, shirtless in the sun. Same eyes, same mouth. Heavier shoulders, denser bones, more scars, some of them deep. You pack a map, but you already know all the good hiding places, the disused stairwells in the school that hid you for years, the storm drain near your apartment that you saw in a documentary about the cave clan, the hollow of the swooping gum tree that stands bold and tall in the front yard of your best friend's house. You know where to go where nobody will hear you, not Jason Miller from the cricket team with his sharp laugh and rough knuckles, and not the horde with their clacking teeth and hungry hands. You leave behind fear, can't afford the weight. You've had enough of it to last a lifetime anyway, and you're only 27. You've been frightened, though, of leaving your apartment, of being a body in a world where bodies are consumed. The horde thump on your walls sometimes, and you imagine them finding weak points, streaming in. They're as smart as ravens, maybe pigs. You know you'll feel nothing after a bad bite, but you're scared of another transformation, this one unwilling. There are four sets of car keys in the front pocket of your bag. They belonged to exes and old lovers, and in one case your best friend Christy. Odds are they're all dead. But you hope that at least one of their cars is still there, free of fleshy detritus and containing enough petrol to make it out. You hope that Christie's car is long gone. Maybe you'll find a car that runs and you'll be able to drive for a while. Maybe you'll get as far out as the sun-blasted fields on the outskirts of Melbourne. Maybe as far as your parents' house in the country. Something tells you that they're still there, still managing and still safe with their rainwater and their solar cells and their little white dog. You've drummed the fantasy of their safety into your heart because if they're safe, you don't have to go out and find them. You don't have to be the hero, the rescuer. You haven't spoken to them since the phones went down. But even in the dark, you know your way home the same way you somehow always know which way is north. It's an uncanny, gut-deep pull. You feel it in your bones as if they were heavy with metal, magnetic. It has always surprised you that your earth-moving, beer-drinking, football-cheering stepdad loves you completely and utterly for who you are. Your mother, too. But she's blood. She'll have a hundred and one natural remedies stashed away. Some of them might work for minor troubles. But you've seen with your own eyes that nothing will calm the horde when they smell sweat and blood in the air. You pack your hormones, of course. You have a couple of preloaded syringes. But you can't remember how long the clinic said they'd last. When they're gone, you'll have to figure something out. Hope that looters will overlook tea when they break into abandoned chemists. Maybe you'll get lucky on the road. You don't pack hope. You can't quite imagine getting free of all this. Not yet. It smells like hot, broken death outside, and the horde never stops moving. They break like wives on park benches, on abandoned cars. They are soundless but for the tramp of their decaying feet. When you're half asleep, they sound like an inland sea, their dry skin whispering like canvas, their loose arms slapping like ropes. You have protein bars to spare from that online sale, but they won't last forever, and you need something green to balance them out.
still they help. The chocolate kind still almost feels like a treat. Your fridge is full of spoiled vegetables. You opened it once to make sure there was nothing useful in there and nearly threw up at the smell. Still, there was half a bottle of vodka in the freezer. You did a couple of quick shots to settle your nerves and thought about the times you danced to the Spice Girls in Christie's lounge room. You still don't know where she is, but you looked as long as it was safe. Christie grew up in the country, too. Maybe she made it out. You can't take all of your other people with you, your global community. They're scattered, hopefully safe, hopefully not dead. Last you heard, the horde is confined to Australia, parts of Indonesia. Maybe quarantine caught the spread early enough and everyone else is okay. You refuse to worry about anyone in particular because you know that once you've started, you won't stop and tears won't help. You're used to checking in with them throughout the day, and now that they're gone, you feel truly alone. Your hand creeps spasmodically to your jeans pocket, muscle memory yearning to flick open your phone screen, to navigate to a sanctuary. You carry your phone, even though it's a useless brick of plastic and glass. You add fish hooks to your pack, although you always hide it stabbing fish behind the eye when you pull them gasping out of the water. It was years ago now that you'd fished with your dad. Your real dad. The dead one. At least now he won't chase you around with a severed fish head, laughing, thumb poked through the teeth. It had always made you scream, but these days it would take much more than that. Matches. They wouldn't let you into the scouts, so you need them to get a fire started. Maybe your brother still has the flint and steel he always kept in his car for barbecues and hunting trips. Something tells you that he's with your parents. Your nieces and your sister-in-law have to be safe. They just fucking have to be. Because if they're not okay, your brother won't be either. He'd let something happen to them over his dead body. That's what you're afraid of. You don't pack your music... You hope that what's left on your dead phone is enough to keep you going if the power comes back on. Part of your wishes that you could play something to steady yourself, to amp you up for the dash outside to find a car. But you have to convince yourself in silence. It's hard. It's useless to take your heavy laptop or the hard drives. You hide them all in the garden of your tiny flat, buried after wrapping them in garbage bags to keep the dirt and moisture out. Music has saved your life more times than you can count. You hope one day that you'll be back to dig up your lifelines, the songs that held you safe. Cash, just in case it still works. You don't have much left after your surgery, but thank God that happened before the horde came. It might help to bribe someone, to convince them to let you go. You might be able to trade it for something useful, if someone is that stupid. A first aid kit... If you're seriously bitten and your blood mixes with airs, it'll all be over. But you might need the supplies for minor scrapes, accidents. You know how to strap a broken arm, how to cool down a black eye. Useful survival skills for anyone, really. You leave behind your compass. Someone else who doesn't have your sense of direction might find it, might need it. You hope that it keeps somebody safe. You hope that there's somebody else out there to keep safe. Someone had left a sleeping bag in your room after a music festival, so you strapped that to your pack. 
Maybe you should take your yoga mat to sleep on, but you figure that it's too flashy to carry safely. That'll teach you for picking out a lime green mat, and it's so thin that you might as well just sleep on the dirt if you can snatch some rest. Your stepdad is the one with all of the decent camping gear anyway, and by the time you see him, you probably won't need it. The sun is setting, and that slows the horde down. Not that you know why. You could bargain with yourself for another night here, maybe three. But the guilt at staying safe when your family might need you is pushing you out the door. With luck, you'll be home in a few days. You just need to take those first few steps. You hear the thump and sway of the horde outside, and you make sure your knife is loose in its sheath. You know how to drive it up under their chin, because the blight is long enough to reach the brain from there, and there's less of a chance it'll stick in bone. Just a few more things to give you luck, to keep you safe. You sort through your nail polish and pick out your favorite, bright red. You felt a little weird about wearing it after you came out. But you get to decide how you present, what makes you feel like you, and what you love, especially now. The last thing you pack before you venture out into slow-moving danger is the tear-stained letter that you wrote to your grown-up self when you were 13, begging yourself to keep going, to make it, to survive. You always knew it would be hard, but you couldn't have guessed what you'd face. You nearly laugh then, because the hoard is almost the least of it. You tuck a couple of blank sheets of paper and a pen in with the letter, because when you're home, when you're safe with your family, you're going to write another letter right back to yourself. You're going to say thank you and tell the 13-year-old version of you that you love them, that you stayed brave, and that you made it. Welcome back. We hope you enjoyed the story. Please consider making a stop at our website at nightmare-magazine.com. If you'd like to spread the word about us, go to iTunes, find the Nightmare Magazine podcast, and leave a review or rating there. Nightmare Magazine is published by John Joseph Adams. If you haven't already subscribed, check out our many options at nightmare-magazine.com slash subscribe. The stories for this podcast are produced by Skyboat Media, the most respected independent audio production team on the West Coast. They are helmed by the Audi and Grammy award-winning narrators Stefan Rutnicki and Gabrielle DeCure. Be sure to check out their website at skyboatmedia.com. Post-production was by yours truly. Music and sound logos are composed and performed by Jack Kincaid. There are other ways you can be notified of new Nightmare Magazine content. You can subscribe to our monthly newsletter's RSS feed, follow us on Twitter, or like our Facebook page. If you visit nightmare-magazine.com and click on editorial, you will find links to all our social media pages. This podcast is copyright 2018 by Nightmare Magazine. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jim Freund, filling in for Jack Kincaid. Sleep tight.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.